What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audio-visual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. I'm your host, Michael Yarrick, here with some wonderful people. Uh, Sydney, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Absolutely. Glad you're here. Sam, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling a little tired, but but ready to go. I have a coffee in my hand at 3 o'clock, so you know it's a good day. <laughs> That's a good day. And Allison, how's it going? It's, you know what, it's going pretty good for the point of the semester we're in. Usually I'm in a full panic and I'm pretty relaxed right now for some reason, so. You feel chill, feel calm? Feel chill. How are you, Mike? I, oh my God, thank you for asking. I'm doing wonderfully. I have a very booked day today and I haven't like missed or been late to a single thing, which is huge for me, like very, for a day that's this scattered and I haven't forgotten about anything. I haven't gotten any texts like, Hey, where are you at? So I feel, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling very good about all of that. Um, wow. That just makes me look very unreliable. Anyways, before we get rolling, Sydney, do you want to open us up in prayer? I can do that. That would be awesome. All right. Let's pray. Uh, um, God, we just thank you. Um, for this chance again to gather virtually and be in community and engage with scripture in new ways. I pray that you would be present with us. Um, you would illuminate the scriptures for us um, and that we would enter this time with open minds and hearts to each other's um, thoughts and ideas and um, just brilliance. And um, yes, I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Man, thank you so much. Uh, and we'll kick things off with Sam and the New Testament text. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. So I was reading Ephesians, which is just more letters from Paul, um, similar to some other texts we've been dealing with. And it was interesting reading this because it's weird just dissecting a prayer. Because, like, I read it, and I was like, this just feels like pretty standard prayer stuff. And I looked up commentaries of it, and they were like, this is a prayer, and it's pretty standard prayer stuff. But I started looking into it more and trying to think of, like, contexts of this prayer. Because, of course, he's, like, writing these in letters to the Ephesians. And the context that started to develop as a way to read this for me um, can be found in verse 18, the end of it. With the eyes of your hearts enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? So Paul is praying for this community and basically saying, this is what I want for you. He starts off by acknowledging what they've done and like praising them for already starting their walk with God and saying, I've heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks to you as I remember you in my prayers. So he's already acknowledging where they are. But that line shows that there's kind of a sense of like, keep going. 
And the context I finally got myself into with this is it feels like a parent or a mentor when you're about to take like a big journey where the prayer that they have for you is to fulfill everything that you could be doing. And he's praying for this group of people and saying, you've come so far and I don't want you to stop. I want you to keep growing. I want you to keep learning. I want you to know what the hope that God has for you and what you are called to do by God. While also acknowledging all of the things that happen when you go on this journey. He talks about the riches and the glorious inheritance that you will get. He talks about the immeasurable power of being with the saints and being with Christ and how you're just at the beginning of this journey. And if you keep going, as Paul wants for his people, if you keep going, you're going to be able to get through this. So that was my interpretation. It was very straightforward, just kind of overanalyzing a prayer. But I really like that idea of it's the beginning of somebody's journey. And you as an onlooker are saying, keep going, because I pray them that you get the most that is awarded to you. So that's kind of it. If you guys want to talk about that, it's a prayer. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, this was such a theater kid response, Sam. It's like, here's the thing. And now I'm going to give it context because it's very straightforward. I'm like, wow, that's exactly like how I would approach any like theater thing. So I love that. Um, this like, I was literally just thinking of the song by All Sons and Daughters earlier called Called Me Higher. I don't know if anybody knows it, but, but the lyrics are like, you have called me higher, you've called me deeper and I will go where you lead me, Lord. And the whole song is just like, I could just like sit and wait for all your goodness to happen because it's going to happen because you're God and that's amazing. But uh, you've called me higher and I want to do what, you know, what I can live your life to the fullest or whatever in a spiritual context. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting that this like is the first scripture because I was literally singing that song like 20 minutes ago. Like it just popped into my head. So um, I don't know. I just like really like that context. That's not me adding much weight, but that's me saying like, wow, look at, look at the, um, the spiritual, like, spiritual things that work here yeah I just um I don't know that I have a lot to add to it but I do feel like I want to like uplift you said this like phrase of like you've come so far and I don't want you to stop and I feel like that's just like an important thing to just reiterate um no matter where you are in life or what's going on or what you're doing I just that you said that and it was like really powerful to me in that moment and I just wanted to say it again um yeah I really like the context that you gave this scripture um I think it also made me think about like the ways I am like supporting the people around me that I want to see thrive. And I like how specific um, he is in this prayer for this community and how, um, I don't know. I think that sometimes it's like, it's important to be specific with people about the ways that you want to see them thrive. Um, one, cause that shows them you're paying attention to them and you're paying attention to their like desires and hopes and fears and all that. But I feel like um, the times in my life where I've had somebody pray over me in very specific ways, I feel like the courage hits different. Like the inspiration of that hits different. The, um, yeah, I don't know. And so I, I just made me think about the ways that I'm praying for the people around me or the ways that I'm speaking to the people around me and how I could challenge myself to be even more specific about how I'm speaking to people, how I'm praying for people um, and the kinds of things I'm wishing for people. Yay. So good. 
Um, and this moves us on to Old Testament with Allison. This is Ezekiel. I have to say this because I said I would say this. Um, as a little kid, my dad gave me the choice in church to either like listen to the sermon or just read the Bible. <laughs> and I always chose to read the Bible because I was like, autonomy. And um, I read Ezekiel. And the first chapter of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is wild because it's about these like weird angels. And as a kid, I thought that was really cool. Anyways, they have four four different faces and their souls are in a wheel. It's wild. Okay, Allison, take it away. <laughs> that was a oh, phenomenal no. um <laughs> phenomenal like little introduction to Ezekiel. Um, however, I am doing Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16 and 20 through 24. Um, I feel like I always struggle when I have the Old Testament text. It always takes me forever to like kind of figure it out. Um, with these particular verses, though, this is one of those situations where I'm like, am what I am, am what I'm reading, is, is what I'm reading a metaphor like I think it is, or am I just like reading this wrong? Um, but I think in this case, whether it's meant to be a metaphor or not, I think I'm going to use it that way. Um, so in this chapter and throughout, you know, these verses that are picked out and then also just the whole thing in general, but um, God is talking about how he himself is going to search for his flock and seek them out as flock of sheep. Um, and he's, you know, they've been scattered. He's going to find them, rescue them from wherever they're hiding, um, not hiding, but wherever they are. And then there's these places where, you know, he's talking about like verse 16, I will seek out the lost, bring back the strays, bind up the wounded and strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong, I will destroy because I will tend my sheep with justice. Um, and a lot of what I get from this is that like in my brain, I'm like that metaphor thing that I was talking about for earlier is I feel like definitely like, you know, the people are God's flock of sheep. Um, and so then this like kind of triggered that, like, I am a social work student. So it triggered like my social work side of my brain because it brings into this like place where um, I tend to a lot of like my um, drive. I don't know if drive is the right word, but a lot of the reasons I do what I do is all very faith-based. So like when I'm working with clients or with people in the social work world, whether they know it or not, a lot of like what's leading me has to do with my faith. Um, and so I think like using these verses from what I hear from it is brings up all of those like kind of almost in a way like political systemic stuff. Um, it, it, it brings my mind to that place of like, you know, if, if we are to be like Jesus, you know, in everything we do, um, then I feel like these verses are kind of describing those moments of like standing up and fighting for that system, systemic change, you know, um, being, being the shepherds ourselves for those who are marginalized, for those who are discriminated against, for those who can't advocate for themselves or fight for themselves or just need assistance to advocate for themselves or fight for themselves. You know, calling out those like stronger sheep that he mentioned in verse 16. Um, yeah, so it's just a lot of like, all, I said this like three times, right? That systemic, stu that systemic stuff, words aren't coming out right. Um, calling out people for the damage they're doing, you know, in the church, outside of it, not sitting in silence when the beliefs of community are harming people, even if that means, you know, it's a church that might be causing spiritual trauma. Um, if we are to be like Jesus, we should be helping fight for all of that. Um, speaking up, speaking out, being involved, all the things. And that's just kind of like where my mind went with these verses, because he's like, I'm going to find my flock. I'm going to heal them and help them. And I'm going to seek justice for them for all the things that have happened. Um, and that's kind of where I went with it. I like have a thought and it's kind of about, it's connected with a conversation that we uh, I had with some people in a previous Annex episode, trying to figure out how to phrase it correctly. 
because I like the fact, and I've never thought about this with the shepherd metaphor before, but you just made me think about it. The fact that having a leader in place that does care about every sheep and like that is normally the the like way you view the story but in the context of like systemic problems i don't know there's something about me not blaming the sheep and like it is there is a leader there who understands that no matter what place like he is going to take care of this and like fix this and like having a like something to call out the system instead of the people being affected by the system I think is really important and I think there's a metaphor in that that like it's not always it's not always the lost sheep's job to find their way back um and that relates to something we talked about in a previous conversation about like it is the job of those who have the ability to sway systems sometimes to make the system more reliable and make the system more open to help people, um, which is like exactly what you said with social work. That's kind of the point of social work is being in a space where you're kind of in between the system and the people and being able to like help people directly um, and not blaming the sheep for what they've done. Um, yes, Allison, you spoke to my heart today. You know that honestly, I felt like that was such a me interpretation too. Like I, I felt really like, <laughs> like I would have had such a similar like take on that. So I kind of felt like you reached into my brain. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much to add. It's just, it's like, it can be very comforting in times when it feels like everything feels really unjust, um, which it can be really easy, you know, to get in that place where you just look at these systems and it can feel so like, oh my goodness, like, so many people are being wronged by this. There's so many people being left out. There's so many people being um, painted as, you know, the enemies when really, you know, we are just the people suffering at the hands of people in power. You know what I mean? And it can feel really overwhelming. And so sometimes it's really nice to like engage with scriptures like this and like trust that like, um, that God loves justice and is a good shepherd and like sees all of it um, and sees every sheep and is seeking every sheep. And that like, when we join that cause, we're like stepping into alignment with the good shepherd, you know? Um, So yeah, it's like, it's comforting. And it's also like inspiring to like, on the days where it's just like there's too much work to be done to just like trust that you're stepping into alignment and you know you just gotta take it day by day i i don't have much to add because i think everything that you guys are saying is is awesome i um i i just always when i hear you guys talk about this and then i think about it myself i i do fall into these like pits where i'm like what how 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 is it so difficult for people to like read these scriptures and not get that context surrounding justice. And like, I mean, I just, I feel like it's so paint, like it's so front and center always like, um, like, Oh, and Alice, I mean, you said it yourself, you're talking, you're like, is this a metaphor? Is I mean, like, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's so easy to read there. And then, yeah, like, and this also relates to like what I'm going to talk about. So I'm also holding my tongue a little bit because otherwise I won't have anything to say when I get to my scripture. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's there. It's awesome. Um, that being said, uh, we are, we are at our usual time for a break. Let your sheep stroll as they will um, and take care of the, the weak ones and destroy the strong. That's what this verse says. Just kidding. That didn't work. Okay, see you soon. Bye. I hope you had a good break, just like we did. Again, like I said with my uh, with uh, one of our past episodes, you don't know if we took a break or not. You'll never know. That's is our little secret. Okay, Sydney, uh, do you want to take it away with Psalms 100? 100? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, Psalm 1. Did you say Psalm 100? <laughs> um, it's short. I did. I did. I'm just going to read all of it. Um, Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with celebration. Come before him with shouts of joy. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his own pasture. Enter his gates with thanks. Enter his courtyards with praise. Thank him. Bless his name, because the Lord is good. His loyal love, I'm sorry, my phone keeps stinging. His loyal love lasts forever. His faithfulness lasts generation after generation. Um, yeah, I feel like this is one of those scriptures that, like, depending on where you are, can read so different. Um, like, th- just depending on kind of what projections you're bringing to it. Um, I think it's so, like, I love that this scripture is so aligned with the scripture that Allison just read um, about the good shepherd. Um, I feel like I am at, like, a little bit of a place of burnout right now. Um And which I feel like around this time of year, a lot of students and working people experience, um, but also just the state of the world. Um, I've been in a state of grief for a while now. Um, And so bringing all that to the scripture Um, obviously presents a challenge because this scripture, this psalm is about thanksgiving. It's about joy and um, about the act of thanking God for God's goodness. Um, And honestly, I wasn't offended by this. You know, sometimes I read a psalm that I feel like not aligned with on that particular day and it can be very like, 
oh, I don't want to hear that. And honestly, it's not that I don't want to hear this today, but really to me, with everything that I'm bringing to this scripture, I, I feel like it's um, kind of like an invitation to the discipline of gratefulness and the discipline of hope. I was talking to a friend recently about like organizing like and like social justice work and how important it is to stay anchored in a place of joy and hope and find moments to celebrate with the people that you're organizing with um because it can be so easy to fall into this bit the pit of despair um and i think that honestly if we're being honest i think that the systems that keep people oppressed want us to get tired and fall into the pit of despair Um, Because I think that when we fall into that place of hopelessness and we fall into that dark place, we lose, um, we lose purpose. And so to me, that's really what I like the act that it is such a, a discipline that you have to choose every day to celebrate, even when it feels hard to celebrate and to see the good and to acknowledge the goodness and everything and to um, every time you engage with something to be grateful for it. When you eat meals, to be grateful. When you are able to spend time with a friend, be grateful. Um, And that that is something that can keep us going. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's very much me projecting where I'm at onto this scripture. So I'd love to hear what y'all's thoughts were. Yeah, I am. I appreciate the way you took this in the sense that like, um, I've always been big on like, when we have nothing else, we have to keep our hope. Um, it's, I've said it a million times to myself, to people around me, um, for all the reasons you just said, you know, if we lose hope, that's our last little bit. And it does put us into, I think you said pit, like pits of despair and things like that. Um, but I appreciate how you, you formed it as like a discipline, you know, choosing every single day to have that hope, to see the light, to find the good things and the little things. That's another thing that I love is like finding, finding good in the small things, you know, like even for me, well, I am in an office all day and I am tired of being in this office. It's been raining all day and I love rain. So it's like one little thing that like brings me a little more hope. Um, And so I don't know, I just, I had never thought about it as like a discipline before. And I thought that was a really interesting phrase or word to use towards it. So I I don't know, I thought that was interesting. First of all, I want to like thank you for your interpretation of it because like, especially we've all been joking and laughing about like the chaotic, exhausted energy that we all brought to this podcast and like having this very centering moment of like, just, just a time to be together. And the way you, the way you said it was a very like putting into focus what we're all feeling, which, so thank you for that. But I really wanted to talk about 
what you said with the social justice aspect of it, because that's one of the things that I'm studying in school um, and working with groups here and like trying to get a part of. And one of the things we've talked about here on campus is it sounds silly, but the history and the entanglement between social justice and music, because starting off every meeting, every like every activist push, starting it off with music as a way to ground yourself in joy, because that's the thing that can't be taken away. And like even through the hard moments of like everything that's going on in the world, and when these systems are constantly berating with everything that we're up against, centering in joy is so, so important, like you said. And I also like the idea of like naming the weaponization of that pit of despair by these systems. It's the whole idea. We saw it, this is a, a like real life example. We saw it with people talking about the writer strike where they were literally like, we're gonna wait you guys out and let people sit in their despair until you give up. And the only way really to get through those is to keep determination and keep hope and joy alive. And so I think naming how hard it is to do that when you're in those pits of despair is super, super important. Um, and I also wanted to end, there's, I, I somehow end up quoting someone every episode, um, but there's a quote, um, John Green, my favorite writer, um, where he talks about now feels infinite and never is. And so even in those moments where everything seems hard and it feels like every system is against us, it's not infinite. And to center yourself in that discipline of joy, I think is really, really profound to talk about and something that we need to talk in more religious spaces. So thank you for sharing that. So by the, by the time this episode comes out, it will be after Thanksgiving. So you're listening to this after Thanksgiving. We are before Thanksgiving. And I'm thinking of this in context of entering these, I mean, the, kind of the stereotypical idea of, oh, I'm going to go see family. And the dread that comes with that in this time that's supposed to be like, again, we're talking about burnout. We're talking about like chaotic energy, the exhaustion. And then you have this like Thanksgiving break and you're like, oh, it's a time to be grateful. It's probably, hopefully a time to nap a little bit and like, it's going to be awesome. But then it's more so um, associated with this time of dread of like, how am I going to like have these discussions with my family and how are like all these different viewpoints going to like come together and be joyful and be glad and like all these positive things that we're reading in this song. How, how are we going to get there? in this time of Thanksgiving, you know? So it's really interesting that those two things kind of, kind of go that way. So yeah, I mean, just to tie it back in, same echo everything that everybody's been saying, it's, it is a discipline, right? We have, we have to put ourselves in that mindset. I was in a, I went to a kind of an outing uh, yesterday and I, I went into it thinking uh, it wasn't going to go well because it's like, um, there's like, it's a, like a lot of couples and it's like a very specific energy. And then, you know, it's me and I'm like, uh, it's not going to be great. And like, if I'm being honest, like, I think my mindset drove how that went for me. Right. And then I, and then today I went to another thing and, and this time I, I, I went into it with that, with this mindset that totally drove it in a positive way. So, so there is so much power to that. So, um, all, all while recognizing how hard it is to actually do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're, co we're constantly working on that. So I think that's, I think that's an awesome, this is an awesome discussion to be having. Um, uh, to continue on with the sheep 
metaphors. Uh, I'm going to take it away with Matthew 25. Uh, a lot of sheep in this one, a couple goats. Stay tuned. Uh, okay, so uh, this is Matthew. Oh no, uh, Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46. So there's some big language in this scripture. Um, but a brief summary. So uh, the metaphor here is a king speak, uh, kind of dividing up and speaking to these two groups, the goats and the sheep. Uh, to the sheep, he says, "We might, you might know the scripture." The king says, um, "Come here, you're my beloved. When you took care of." Um, you, you've taken care of me a ton. And then the sheep are like, well, why do you say we've taken care of you? We don't remember doing that. And then the king says, um, when you took care of your brothers and sisters, when they were uh, hungry or cold, whenever you did anything to take care of your brothers and sisters, you did that for, you also took care of me. And then the inverse of that to the, to the goat group, uh, the unrighteous group, um, he says, get away from me. Um, when I was starving, you left me with no food. When I was dry and thirsty, you left me to struggle. And they're like, when did we do that? And he says, I tell you, whenever you saw a brother or sister hungry or cold, weak or without friends, when you saw the least of these and ignored their suffering, so you ignored me. So there's a lot of things I like about this. Again, there's some harsh language that's tough to get through, but um, for the most part, this idea of God equating themselves to the least of these, right? Whatever you did to the least of these, so you did to me. Um, I've talked in the past on episodes about how I see God in nature and I see God in acts and in other people. And that's where like my entire relationship to God comes from. It always feels like it comes through a proxy of like, again, nature is a really big one for me. Um, but in this passage, I feel like we're being called. I'm, I don't feel like I know. I know we are being called by God to see to see God in the least of these, right? Seeing God in the places where your impulse is to not to. Maybe in people you hate, people you don't understand, people you... Uh, you fear specifically people who are suffering. Um, the translation I'm working off of the voice says the friendless, the homeless, the excluded. And then to echo that last, when you, when you ignored their suffering, so you ignored me, which I think is such a powerful statement because then we go to a deeper level where we talk about like our interpersonal relationships where, um, and this may be going a little, a little off the rails here, but like if you ignore somebody in your like that you have a close relationship with if you to ignore their suffering is to basically not be there. You're not showing up. You're not showing up for somebody when you ignore their suffering. And I feel like that's, that's a bold blatant statement that God is saying here. Um, and then um, sorry to jump, to jump around here a little bit. Um, not only do I think this passage is kind of defining this line between people who have compassion and people who don't um, the goats and the sheep here. Um, but it's also making a distinction between those who are in a position to help others and those who aren't. And then as it relates to this bigger conversation about judgment, um, I think this scripture acknowledges that there are people in this world whose choices are limited by their circumstances. The least of these that we're talking about live to some degree at the mercy of others. And um, again, they're pressured into be certain behaviors because of their circumstances, right? That um, the choices made by them are driven by circumstances that oftentimes people don't have control over. So when, as that relates to judgment um, described in this passage, I want to point to like this judgment or maybe start a discussion around this idea of judgment that weighs more heavily on those who have more choice. So 
judgment is stricter or harsher on those who have more choices, have more time to spare, have more resources and more availability. Like the people that are in a position to help others, I do think we start to see a trend of there is harsher judgment there because those who don't have the power to help others and can like barely help themselves in some cases um, to circumstances, oftentimes not by their own choice at all. And even if it is their choice, that doesn't matter. Um, sorry, sorry, I, I derailed there for a second. Judgment, um, harsher on those who have resources and have the ability to help others because um, I mean, I think it's hard to talk about God as a judge sometimes, and sometimes it's easier to focus on the grace and focus on the mercy. But with God as as a judge um, and that conversation, I do think we're pointed to in Scripture and maybe and this one specifically as um, we are going to look more critically and harsher on those who have the ability to help others and don't. <laughs> that's, that's where I'll end it there. Um, I think that's where I was kind of wrapping up to. That was so good, Mike. <laughs> I feel like, you know, when you just like get that little like fiery pit in your chest and you just want to like fight a billionaire or something, like that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, this is one of those scriptures that, so I, I think it's probably pretty obvious that I'm not super into the concept of like eternal damnation right I, i'm not oozing that i like love blood atonement and love the concept of hell and that's something that i wrestle with all the time when it comes to scripture but something about the context here i'm kind of with it no i it's, it's not that I'm, I'm just like i feel so deeply about um especially here in america um that we need to wake up especially christians need to wake up and actually like look at the book <laughs> that they're calling their holy text because i just like read stuff like this and i'm like how can you read this and not completely rethink the whole way you're doing your life you know like I'm constantly confronted with the decisions that I'm making the things I'm purchasing the ways I'm spending my money the neighborhoods I'm living in the people I'm hanging out like uh right like once you open your eyes to the ways that your decisions affect other people you can't turn it off and so I just have just like this I just get so heated um and want accountability so bad for the people in my community that I know could be doing so much more and that I know could be helping so many more people. And that's not a judgment, like, right? It's not, because I get it. I understand that we are all born into a particular situation. We're taught particular values. We're taught what's right and wrong. We're taught who does. And, you know, we're taught meritocracy, this idea that we all have somehow merited earn whatever it is that we have but it's a lie and um yeah I could probably talk forever about this um I feel that this is like for me one of the reasons I like to engage with the bible is scriptures like this that I feel like are so explicit about the about who's responsible um and about who we need to be taking care of. 
And that's that. And also, 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 I'll add one more thing. Just as I think in this scripture, we get this analogy of like, God is the person that we are helping or God is the person that we are choosing not to help. I also think that it's important for us to reflect on our interdependence as human beings and how when I'm harming my neighbor, I'm harming myself, right? So when I'm not helping, when I'm harming my neighbor, I'm condemning myself, right? Because when my neighbor thrives, I thrive. When my community thrives, I thrive. When the least of these in my community do better, I do better. And so there's also this kind of natural consequence to this whole like eternal damnation versus eternal life, right? That it's like, it is so, like it, it, it is for the betterment of everyone when we are taking care of the people in our community who don't have their basic needs met, including ourselves. And so it's also like, it's a functional thing. It, you know, like, yeah, we are damning ourselves when we don't take care of our community um, and don't love others the ways that we wish to be loved. And so I will get off of my high horse now. Uh, something about this group of people in this moment um, is really, really interesting to me because, like, I this the fire in your belly that you talked about. I was about to talk about like if people aren't serving you in your life, you should let them go. But um, I'm about to I'm about to get on the same soapbox because, like, I yeah, I'm gonna talk about it. We should talk about it. I completely think that we should judge harsher those who are able to do something and choose not to. Because so often when we talk about these systemic, I'm closing my Bible on this, when we talk about these systems that promote oppression, often the solution that they promote is that the people who are being oppressed should do something about it. And yes, there should be leaders in those communities. Yes, there are. Yes, we should be listening. But also, why is it the oppressed group's job to dismantle a system by themselves instead of the people who are in positions to change something about it? Why is it the people who are pushed to the outside? We it, it goes back to the sheep conversation. It's not the sheep's job for getting lost. And if they are pushed out by systems that aren't there for them and that are blatantly ignoring and oppressing them, it should not be their job. It should be the people who are in positions to change something. And here's where my soapbox comes in. And here is the basis of everything I believe in. Who are the people who are in positions of power? Because it's not just billionaires, although I do think we should we should look at I, I don't believe in the hell, but like I said, I think we should readdress in those certain circumstances. But when we talk about like positions of power, I am a middle class straight white male. The amount of privileges I just listed, why is it not my job to be thinking about these kind of things and to be building more open spaces for those? It shouldn't be the people who are kicked out of those spaces whose job it is to get themselves in. It should not be the sheep's job to get back into a pasture that isn't welcoming them. It should be the shepherd who created it in the first place or the person who's able to create that. And so, especially when we talk about these challenging times where, yeah, the systems are against people, but whose job is it to fix that? Because it's not gonna get fixed by the system itself saying, well, you guys really should do something about it. The analogy I always think about is like when 
uh, it, it started in like the the 40s and 50s when the recycling campaign came out because it was big corporations who were putting all this waste out and they were like, okay, you guys got to clean up after yourselves. It's like, well, well, no, we should we should be working on this as we should be dismantling the system and making that more equitable for people. So I, I fully was going to talk about friendships that don't serve your needs. But here we are. Allison, have fun with this. Yeah, I love that. That's where both of y'all went because my brain went to the same place. Um, I was like, as you were ending, Sam, I'm over here reading my notes going, what can I talk about that they haven't already said? Because I was taking notes as Mike was talking. Um, I think the only thing I can add to it is circling it back a little bit to like um, that phrase. And I think this is part of the verses you just read, Mike, maybe. Um, you ignored their suffering, therefore you ignored me. Um and in which case, yeah, you should have said, yeah, but that was a part of the verse. I was like, I was like, I think it was a verse and not something you said, but you did like obviously elaborate, but um, you know, the me and the instance being God. And I think it goes back to like all of what we're saying, like um, to ignore oppression, to ignore marginalization, to ignore discrimination, to ignore all of these things. Oh, my headphones falling out to it. To ignore all of these things is ignoring suffering. Um, and it goes back to like what everybody has been saying, you know, what I was talking about with my verses. Um, and I just think it's kind of like that full circle moment of just bringing back that one simple statement of you ignored their suffering, therefore you ignored me, um, which I think all of this applies to. I feel like uh, we let we left it all out there. This is, this is it's, it's your turn, people at home <laughs> listening to this. Uh, cool. Uh, join us. Uh, all right, uh, Sam. Do you want to close us in prayer? I, I mean, you basically just did. Those were those were words. words it's it's really interesting to close it in prayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like we talked about, I want to close in a prayer of thanks, and thanks to God for these spaces and for spaces like this where even as we all come from our different pits of despair and come from our different spaces and seasons of life where we are all able to have a conversation and to give thanks and to remember that maybe maybe it's us who are able to do something and maybe these things that feel like they last forever and these despairs that feel like an eternity don't have to be so thank you god for these words and this time and Thank you for the ability to have action. Amen. Amen. Uh, this has been Studio Wesley Annex. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Thanks so much. Bye.